Welcome to Season 4, Episode 19 of Engineering Heroes, a podcast that is presenting the new dawn of engineering challenges. My name is Melanie and my co-host and our podcast resident engineer is Dominic. Our guest today is a senior engineer, dams and hydropower for SMEC. Her philosophy of saying yes has led to working on a diverse range of projects across Queensland, Victoria, Fiji, Kuala Lumpur and now in Cooma on the impressive Snowy 2.0. After graduating with honours from the University of Queensland, our guest gained experience as a geotechnical civil engineer involved in highway, tunnel and solar field projects, working on foundation design, reinforced soil walls, slope stability and construction surveillance. She then moved into the dam and hydropower sector, where she's worked on investigation, design and construction of embankment dams, run of the river hydro and pump storage hydropower. Joining us today on Engineering Heroes is Rosie Mosley. Growing up, Rosie had no idea what engineering was or what an engineer actually even did. She also had the age-old dilemma of having no idea what she wanted to do after finishing school. But her older brother was studying engineering and Rosie decided that engineering sounded like a good idea. I must admit, I didn't really enjoy studying engineering, but I really like working as an engineer, so I'm very glad I became an engineer. It's a tough gig for anyone out there who's looking to do it. They were some very long years of study, that's for sure, with engineering, but when you get out the other end, it's definitely worth all the years of study, that's for sure. It's a lot more fun, yeah. Once you actually get out there and doing stuff, it's always a lot more fun. So did you have any other introduction to it, or was it just pretty much following in your brother's footsteps? Basically. No, I mean, my, <laughs> uh, my my dad's an artist and his advice was don't be an artist. <laughs> so I became an engineer, yeah. So where did you go to uni? I started in Sydney at UNSW and then halfway through I moved to UQ in Brisbane. All my friends oh, wow. lived in Queensland and they were like, come to Brisbane. So I did. All right. So after you finished your degree, what was the first project that you worked on? So it was in Brisbane, which was cool. It was a rail overpass, Robinson Road, and I was doing these reinforced saw walls. The main thing I loved about it was because it was in Brisbane when the project was finished and they had the opening day, I got to take my parents and walk them across and show them what I was working on and that was really cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Such a proud moment. And do you still, whenever you go past, it's like, I built that bridge. That was my, that's my bridge. (laughs) Definitely. Yep. Yeah. And so I did a few more things in Brisbane. So, you know, mum likes to call me when she drives through my tunnel and over my bridge. So <laughs> so many landmarks. So what did you actually do on that job? That uh, So I was in the mark. geotech team. So the, there's these reinforced soil walls that kind of lead up the, the abutments of the bridge, I guess. So I did the design for them, the geotech design. Oh, and was that a pretty good job coming straight out of the gates or was it in the deep end or how did you feel? Yeah, in hindsight, like it's a pretty cool thing to get to be to do. And the senior engineer I was working for, he did just kind of let me dive in. He, you know, just give it a crack and we'll fix it if you get it wrong sort of thing. <laughs> uh, it's still standing so you obviously did the right thing there yep uh, well i was probably a, a tad conservative being my first project but <laughs> i can sleep easy yeah <laughs> so you've come a long way from building bridges in brisbane to actually working where you are now so do you want to tell us a little bit about where you are yeah so i'm, I'm in coomer at the moment on snowy too i stayed in brisbane for a few years but I said yes to a lot of opportunities, 
which I got to go to Fiji and then I moved to Melbourne. And then when I was in Melbourne and my manager said, do you want to come work in Cooma? And I was like, yes. It was meant to be for three weeks. It's been three and a half years now, I think. So, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. The project here, the work is technically probably the most exciting project I have worked on and hopefully not ever work on, but it's likely. So you're with SMEC. Have you worked with that company from the beginning? With SMEC, yeah. So that was in Brisbane. And so um, they moved you to Fiji and all those other places you were saying? Yeah, they're a company that does offer, I guess, dams and hydro, which not a lot of companies in Australia offer, those, those sorts of opportunities. And international work, which is, I guess, what attracted me to the company and why I've stuck with them so long. They sent me to Fiji and I've been to KL with them as well, which is pretty exciting. They moved me to Melbourne when I wanted to go join the dams and hydro team. So still working for them, but I'm seconded to Snowy. So I'm part of the owner's team for Snowy 2.0. So do you want to tell us a little bit about 2.0 that you're working on? So when I came, it was 2017 and we were feasibility study. And our company, SMEC, does have a history in the Coombe area. So I started in the drilling. I was actually meant to be drilling the first hole on the project. I was going to be the geotech supervising that. And I actually missed the first day, so I didn't get to drill the first oh, hole no. first day. But then I, I was on for a couple of days on the hole that was over a kilometre deep. So that's pretty cool. You don't get to do that every day. So that's, I started in the geotech and then I went into the design of the feasibility side and I worked on the intakes, which were pretty big structures, big cuts, which is pretty exciting. And then I worked a bit with the tunnels team, which was pretty exciting. Learned a lot there. What are you actually working on now? I'm helping out with a substation. So Transgrid is going to, they're building us a substation, which will provide power to the project site. There's a transmission line that just conveniently runs through the project site. So we're able to just tap into that line and supply the area with power. I'm helping managing that at the moment. That's my thing. So these are the pre-works needed before you really kick off the construction of 2.0? Yeah. So I mean, we're in the exploratory phase at the moment. We actually visited the Snowy Hydro Discovery Centre just recently and it was amazing. They had some great interactive things going on in there and to see where 2.0 is going to be and the work that hasn't started yet, as you were saying, it hasn't started yet, but all the pre-work's happening. And it's very exciting for such a mammoth groundbreaking scheme to have a revisit like this that's quite huge. So it's a very exciting project that you're working on. You can definitely feel that in the team. There is a lot of excitement and it does fuel the team, I think. Engineering Heroes is now nicely settled into its new home at Engineers Australia. It's been a wonderful transition and it's great how we can now project some brilliant engineers out to an even wider audience. People like Rosie who are working on one of the major engineering accomplishments in Australian history. Did you know just by listening to any episode in this podcast, you can earn one point for one hour in Type 4 CPD. So if being chartered is something you have an interest in, be sure to enjoy our 100 plus hours of engineering interviews. And as I say every week, but I'm going to remind you right now here in the mid-roll, if you enjoyed this series, please let people know. Just take five seconds to post it on social media or mention it over the virtual water cooler or just leave a glowing review. It all helps. Righto. Now, back to Rosie. She's noticed that the role of engineers is really broadening from her earlier days when it was just about design. Dom, Rosie and I ponder, is that something that just comes with seniority? Is it an indication of the evolving role of engineers in this day and age? 
or perhaps it's a little bit of both. I guess I've noticed in my own career in recent years is how much engineering doesn't seem to be about engineering as much anymore. <laughs> you know, engineers are not just solving engineering problems anymore. There seems to be all these other issues that we're having to learn to work with, like safety or visual amenity. The environment's a big one. Publicity, even some legal issues. You know, there can be social and political issues that we need to learn to balance uh, alongside the engineering solutions. And I guess because a lot of the time project manager engineers, they're the ones that are having to learn to take a more holistic approach and balance these issues, I guess. You do start to wonder, is that just because I'm new to these responsibilities and this is what everyone's been doing? But then you talk to a lot of senior engineers and it, it doesn't seem that they're used to doing this as much. They're, they're used to more focusing just purely on the engineering and the math. But now we're getting all these new challenges, which is, you know, kind of exciting, having to learn to think outside your comfort zone and work with people that aren't engineers. For me, that that's one of the things I've been noticing recently is it's its own challenge to deal with and work with people that are not engineers. They don't think like we do. They have different processes and even just trying to yeah, work out what their priorities are and, and how they communicate. I think engineers think in their own special way. So yeah, that can be another side of the challenge is, is learning how to work with people that are not engineers. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, it's I'm, I'm going to say work with normal people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you could be right. You could be right. We've always said engineering, when you study engineering, it teaches you a new mindset. And I think what Rosie's just explained a little bit about is in the past, perhaps engineers have been happy to sit in their own little bubbles and talk to other engineers in engineering lingo and just get the job done. Whereas now that bubble is bursting, expanding, it's getting extra people in it, it's being connected to other bubbles. And then suddenly you're having to move, grow and change and evolve as engineers. Is that what? Yeah, I, I agree with you. In so far as years and years and years ago, if you were engineering, you didn't have to worry about the environment. Like, it was, well, what was that? There's no problem with that. You just sort of yes, do whatever. We're, we're all living you didn't with have those. To, right? You didn't have to worry about. Um, <laughs> Which about, it's a good thing that we are. Well, it is. It, it is. is. That's it what is. I mean. And but that's yeah, the yeah, thing. I am. I am saying yes. The environment is definitely a good thing. I'm no, no, saying, but you're yes, exactly but, right. But, some, and some... even community engagement. You, we didn't really have that either. It was a case of we're building a bridge. You'll enjoy it once it's here. There wasn't that same level of community engagement that there used to be. And it's great that they have that now, but it has meant that engineers have really had to change their mindset to cater for all these additional inputs. Yeah, and a lot of those inputs, I think, because they're not numbers, they're not mass, like you said, they're community, they're people. Yeah. They don't fit into our equations as neatly <laughs> as we'd like. <laughs> like. I didn't sign up for this at uni. What's going on? <laughs> Are you finding that you're only just coming to this realisation as you're moving up the corporate change so to speak so previously you were happy to stay in your little bubble but now you've now you're just noticing it or is it something that from day one as a early engineer it was already like that uh, I'm probably noticing it in in recent years yeah it's, it's hard to know is it just because I'm learning and growing as an engineer and becoming senior and this is just the problems of a senior engineer or is it that engineering has changed I'm wondering if the engineering society is changing and evolving to be broader in that respect and more rounded. Yeah, I think so. I think that it is something that has changed and I've seen it change 
I'm making myself sound really old. I'm not that old. I have seen it change myself just in regards to when I started through to how it is now. And I think it's going to change even more as time progresses. And I do think it is something that as your career progresses, you are more exposed to it because when you, at least when you start out, it's a, you, you're kind of getting the fundamentals down. It was almost not that we were shielded from it, but it was almost as though it fell into the hands of other professions or occupations, whereas now it's something that engineers, are, it's all encompassing for them, which is a great thing that, that has happened as well, because I think even though we like to say that we're not good at the soft skills, I think we're actually a lot better at them than we give ourselves credit for, which only helps to develop our designs. And helps to develop the innovation and the technology that that needs to come through it because then we have a better understanding about what the end client actually wants as opposed to being told what the end client wants by someone else who hasn't really interpreted it the same way that we would. Yeah, you get to be involved in the decision, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it's an important skill to for engineers to gain because there's a lot of talk in the past about engineers not being invited to that table, you know, that, that uh, mythical table that exists where decisions are made and plans are set and engineers are only finding out about it at the end saying, here, go build this and go do that. The engineers are now realising that they need to be at the very front of the line when things are being solved. And to do that, they need to start getting all those soft skills that you were mentioning or all those extra skills that are just outside of maths. Yeah, I like what you say about being at the table. Yeah, getting involved in that decision, which is good because then you, you can take it in a whole new direction. Not that engineers are the only ones that can do this, but we are very good at critical thinking and problem solving. It's what we love to do, but it doesn't just have to be math that we can solve. We can solve all those other problems. And like I said, we can bring that critical thinking and, and our processes that work so well in engineering to those other problems. Do you enjoy that side of it? Do you find yourself as your career progresses happily kind of moving away from the design and more into those engagement type roles? Yeah, I love the challenge and you're kind of fumbling around a bit at first, I think, because it is new and it's not always easy to see how other people have done it or see other examples to follow. Whereas design, you know, you, you start a design of something, generally there's a standard that tells you exactly how to do it and there's a thousand spreadsheets that get shared around or maybe not a thousand, but a bunch of spreadsheets that are shared around that, you know, step you through how to do it and, and guidance. But these kind of challenges, you don't get as much guidance, I guess. So when you were talking, one of the things I was thinking was as more people enter engineering, they start offering more to the the industry. Yeah, I guess probably a lot of engineers that maybe were never going to be the, the technical expert, but have those other skills find a place, find a role, find somewhere where they can bring some benefit, which is good. How do you progress somebody who is in it just for the maths and uh, the problem solving? How do you progress them into this wider bubble? Good question. I mean, maybe you don't, you know, that's that's what they're good at and you still need those people. You don't want to lose that core focus from engineering, I guess. I mean, whether it's something, you know, you change in the education, whether, you know, there's a subject or two in our degree that at least prepares us for this, you might you might get people sticking around in engineering a bit longer because, I mean, I know it is, a, it is a difficult subject if you know there's opportunities that aren't just technical. And maybe we just have to learn to think differently as engineers, except that our way is not the only way. Something I've noticed on the Snowy 2 project, Snowy Hydro is very good at is, is getting advice. And you, you really see that, I guess. So maybe get advice. I think you really did hit the nail on the head there when you said engineering isn't engineering anymore. 
that's more to it. And from the perspective of how is the industry responding, I think in a way there's a natural response that's happening in that there's a real push to get more people into engineering. And as you get more people, you get a variety of other skill sets that come into it. So it's not just about maths anymore like it was in the past. You're getting people that are just naturally expanding the the skill set of engineers. And I think this is only going to help the connection with engineers back to society in that they realize that it's not just the maths. It's also understanding the story of engineers because I think they lost their value to society in that society forgot how important engineers are. But the fact that more diverse people are in it, there's a natural move to accepting that engineering is more than just engineering. More than just maths. Okay. I like that. Yeah. More than just maths, yeah. So what are your thoughts on the future of engineering? Uh, it's all going very virtual, I reckon, which is probably not a new thought. But with COVID, I think it's definitely exaggerated, which is good. We, we get to keep our jobs because we can work online. I appreciate all the benefits of going virtual, but I like the physical. And it's sad to think that we might lose too much of it. Being in Kuma is really exciting to get to work because our company's head office is in Kuma, or our old head office. But it was this really interesting complex when we came and, it, you know, it had this a library and a hydraulics lab and a soil lab, which none of our city offices have that. So it is great. I understand the benefits of virtual, but it's kind of sad to think we might start losing too much of the physical, you know, like actually getting to see a test carried out, not just getting the results or getting to do physical modeling, not just computer modeling. I like that. Yeah. I really I like that point because it's like a rubber band. There's a potential there that it can get pulled too much and we'll all jump on the virtual bandwagon too much and everything will go and we'll lose that connection. And if people start shutting down offices because everyone can work virtually, you're going to lose that history, that connection to things. Well, the collaboration too, I think is the big thing where I still don't feel as though you can get the same out of talking to someone over Zoom or teams as you can if you're sitting in a room with them with a, with a set of drawings coming up with ideas or even working on something and then thinking, oh, that's a great idea. I'll, I'll go talk to so-and-so and, and then bouncing it further and developing these things. I just think that you're going to lose all that if we go too virtual. I, I worry that people are going to take it and run with it too far when they're going to lose so much by losing that interaction and that tangible human connection. Yeah, it makes me realize that's half of what I love about my job. It's, it's not just the technical and the work, it's the team and the collaboration. I guess when we first came to Kuma, there was a bunch of us and, you know, there was a lot of young kind of adventurous people that said, yes, I'll move to Kuma. And we're all living in houses together and we're working really late and rolling off to the pub at nine o'clock after you finish the report and skiing on the weekends and we built this wonderful team and community and you couldn't do that virtually. No, that's a wonderful example of how if you did make that effort to bring everyone to one place, one location and set up a team like what you've said, it's going to be so much more powerful. So it, it will be very interesting to see where the future as a society, how we all react to these changes that are upon us at the moment and when things go, inverted commas, back to normal, then what is it going to look like? So what would you say to people just starting out in engineering? Congratulations. I think you're going to love it. I love it. Say yes. I think it's scary at first, but I've said yes to a lot of opportunities and man, I've had a great career so far. Giving things a go, don't be afraid of failure. 
one of my friends, she had a manager and at her end of year review, the manager said to her, now tell me how you've failed because if you haven't failed, you haven't been challenging yourself. And I thought that was great. So oh, that's hard. Don't be <laughs> but doesn't it give you the comfort of yeah, it does. give it a go, you know, like True. like in design consultancy, there is a lot of pressure. We do need to get things right. So it, it can be scary to take risk and, and risk getting something wrong. So there's got to be balance there. That's very true because um, one of the worrying things is if people don't fail or don't let themselves fail, you'll never have the innovation. If everything just becomes stale and you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. If you don't try some different things and if they don't work, they don't work, but at least you've sort of had a go. Otherwise, we're not going to come up with the new technologies and the new developments that are ultimately going to advance engineering as a whole. It's like WD-40. Yep, that's it. That's it. That's when failures. We always tell the kids, call WD-40 because it took them 40 goes to get it right. So, you know, that's sort of the one thing. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> See, that's what happens when you go to pub trivia. So, yeah, <laughs> that's where we got that one from. Very appropriate. Water dispersant 40 because it took them 40 goes to get it right. <laughs> So and that leads perfectly into, is there a piece of engineering that impresses you? Is it WD-40? <laughs> Maybe now. <laughs> From now on, it is. Yeah. <laughs> the the snowy scheme it is, yeah, is very mm, impressive. Yeah. I must admit, I didn't know that much of the details about it when I first came to Kuma. And I've just been learning more and more and more about it. And working with Snowy Hydro, learning about the operation side of it, which as a design engineer, you don't get a lot of that. And it's a pretty impressive scheme. It's not just the individual tunnels and the dams. It's how it works together. It's a very intricate system and very impressive. And particularly when you compare the construction methods back then yeah. as to how it's being constructed now, it's just amazing what they were able to do and the way that they were able to do it. It's a phenomenal feat of engineering. And, and they probably didn't have beautiful down jackets to you know, keep them yeah. warm in the, the freezing, mountainous, cold conditions. And, and all the families were up there too. The yeah. row of tents in the snow and the, the women hanging their washing in the snow. Pretty extreme what they went through, I think. So do you have an engineer that you admire? Not specifically, but I'm very fond of engineers. My brother's an engineer, as I said. My sister-in-law is an engineer and I'm dating an engineer who I'm especially fond of, so... No, it's like engineers in general, you know. Apparently, though, apparently they have to be family as well. So, yeah. oh, you, your poor dad, surrounded by all of these engineers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he loves it. I, I love that, how your family are your favourite engineers, so that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been really wonderful talking to you. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks. It's been great. Well, I really enjoyed it too. And thank you for listening to Engineering Heroes as we present the new dawn of engineering challenges for Engineers Australia. Your hosts have been Melanie and Dominic DeJoya. You can view this episode's show notes or learn more about our podcast by visiting our website, www.engineeringheroes.com.au. If you enjoyed today's show, all we ask you to do is go and tell someone, either in person or write a review. It's that easy to show your support for engineers everywhere. We look forward to you joining us next week when we we bring you another interview with one of our engineering champions.